This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. Uh, joining me, James Manning, the editor of Media Week, is Andrew Mercado, Media Week contributor and um, one of Australia's newest cinema owner <laughs> operators. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. Uh, we're going to talk about the Logie nominations. We're going to talk about the multi-screen report and some yep. of the surprising things and the not surprising thing it's revealed. We're going to talk about how many scripted programs are actually in production yep. at the moment and how that's grown over the years. Then at the end of the podcast, as we've done for the last few weeks, we're going to get an update on Andrew's new business adventure which hopefully anybody listening to this will be able to enjoy one day on there if they they take a trip up to where he is. Let's talk Logies first. Yeah. As usual, the Logies cop a fair bit of criticism every time they release the nominations for the new year. In a way, am I right in thinking TV Week are almost talking it down a little bit this year? There seems to be less hype. I mean, there was no big um, nomination ceremony this year for no. starters, which they've done previously in Melbourne. Which usually gets them on the 6 o'clock news when they do that, don't they? They get all the actors in the room and then it's kind of ready-made for the news bulletins and yep. the, the daytime shows. But there was none of that. In fact, I opened up the Sunday Telegraph on the weekend and went, oh, my God, the... Gold Logie noms are out. So, yeah, I was, I was quite surprised. But I guess it made sense because um, you sort of forget it. They When they start running the coupons in the magazines in, like, November and you think, oh, my yeah. God, it's months away, and then they, you kind of forget that the nominations are coming due. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, Some of the big talking points are around the gold, as it, it always seems to draw the, it's the big award, I guess, so everyone's very interested in that. Yep. The discussion around, I think, three of the six uh, nominations were for um, Network 10 personalities, Waleed Ali and Pete Hallier. Yes. From the project, and then Grant Denyer as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot from Channel 10. And, of course, as usual, we got this sort of message from the News Limited newspapers. We're quick to jump on again with their anonymous TV executives who, you know, slammed the ca- the categories and said, you know, you can't possibly um how do these this is a joke it's embarrassing the nominations and why do people from the project keep getting nominated it's a low rating show i mean that's just ridiculous i mean since when did a gold logie nomination have to go to someone on a high rating show it's not about that it's about the personalities that connect with the viewing public and if you're from one of the networks that doesn't air the project and you're unhappy that someone from the project keeps getting nominated and winning that's just tough titties because next year it might be your turn if you want to like get in the game and make sure that you've got some people that are connecting with the public maybe you don't have the right format to do that yeah it is interesting though isn't the correlation between ratings and logies where a show and you know the project's been under a fair bit of pressure yeah most nights now that 7:30 half of the program just doing over 500,000 yeah significantly behind um, a lot of other shows on that evening but the as you say the those Audiences seem to be engaging with the hosts. But clearly those 500,000 viewers that are watching the show, clearly they are a very dedicated, hardcore audience. And I would suggest to you that people who watch the project, they're the sort of people that get their news fixed. They're not watching the Nine News or Seven News. They prefer the format of the project to get their news and information. And they clearly love the hosts of 
of these shows because it's not a coincidence. You can't, it can't. This is the third year running. We've had Carrie Bickmore win it three years ago. We had Waleed win it last year. And now we've got Peter Hellier and Waleed in there. I mean, you can't fake that. People are voting for this show. So, you know, if you don't like that, too bad. What about the debate around surrounding uh, gender diversification? Yep. There's only one women out of six yep. nominees, uh, Jessica Murray this year. Yes. Look, I don't know. I just I don't like the idea you've got to count, you know, and, no. and put quotas against all this stuff. I think that's just the way just the way the cards have fallen. And I also think if you go onto the TV Tonight website and have a look at the viewers' comments about this very subject, you will be reminded that there have been years where Lisa McCune and Georgie Parker and a whole bunch of the women outnumbered the men right. in previous years for the Gold Logie. So it's just one of those things that happened this year. Yeah. The thing I also liked about those Gold Logie nominees was three actors yeah. from three dramas. Yes. I, I mean, maybe we're... That hasn't been long, but it just stuck out to me. That was a, a nice little outcome, yeah? Well, I mean, Jessica Mariah, it doesn't surprise me she's here. She's starred in two shows last year, Love Child on 10, uh, Love Child on 9 and The Wrong Girl on 10. Um, the surprise was for me was that Samuel Johnson got the, the nod for Molly because, you know, we know that after Molly and that massive publicity hype there, he's actually retired from the limelight and has wanted to take a step back to work on a charity for his sister who's very ill. Um, so he's not that, you know... It's almost like he's the actor that wouldn't have wanted something like this. So, but so it's amazing that despite that, and despite him wanting to step back, he's got this. And then I love that Roger Corsa is in there because he's down here for appearing in the Doctor Blake mysteries, which he just joined this year. But you know, Doctor mm. Doctor on Nine, which I thought was the best new drama of last year, and he's so good in it. And he's he's always been so reliable and has always delivered in so many TV shows over the year. I think it's great that we're giving him some recognition because he is one of our best leading men now and he's proved he can carry a show with Dr. Doctor and he's proved he can carry a show with a character who's not 100% likeable. He's a cheating drug addict that will scam anybody to <laughs> get ahead and yet here he is now with a nomination. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so what was some of the anything else that um, in those major awards that uh, that caught your eye? Well, the first thing I want to say is that I think TV Week are doing a real disservice to the public by changing the names of these awards from most from most popular to best. Because okay. once upon a time, when you had the most outstanding categories that were voted for by a peer committee, that was obvious that the industry was voting for that. And when you had most popular, that always said to me, this is what the readers of TV Week vote for and this is what they like. And for some reason, that's become a dirty word in this industry, that somehow the readers of TV Week shouldn't be allowed to cast their vote, which I think is ridiculous. And so now it's called you've got best actor and then you've got most outstanding actor. And quite frankly, I think that makes it really confusing for the public and it doesn't explain what's going on here. This is one of the only awards ceremony in the world where we uh, honour the most popular and the most outstanding. And I like that about the Logies and we should be proud of that and not trying to hide that by changing the So words. you think they're being oversensitive? I do. About... Um I think they should be happy criticism. that they give out awards for most popular and not change it to best. That yeah, just... I guess I'm not as sensitive to that as you because, I mean, best still implies that 
this is the best according to the TV Week readers, I guess. And maybe it, it, it's a bit more of an empowering word than popular too. They're almost putting a finger up going, OK, we'll call it the best. How yeah, about that? Yeah. <laughs> but so if your Joe Blow's sitting at home, it's going to mean nothing to you. Yeah. You're actually not going to know the difference between oh, no. best and most outstanding. No, it's now. just it's, you'll and still you're watching, get the little logo. It's a right? four-hour show sometimes and you're just watching it going, what the hell is going on? I don't understand why they're handing out to... Actors Awards anyway. What's the difference? That's my concern. It, it's confusing oh, yeah. now to the public. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The uh, Who's the... Um, so the big ones are really, aren't they, the best actor, the best actress? Yep. Well, the, the best actor, Craig McLaughlin in there for Dr. Blake and, and two other shows, Eric Thompson, 800 Words, Richard Roxburgh Rake, Roger Corsa, Dr. Doctor, and Samuel Who Johnson. Who should win Holly. that? Oh, look, well, this is going to be voted if you for had by the, the public. If you had to tick a box, who would you tick? If I Don't s- guess who would win. Who would you give it to? Who I would yeah. give it to? Well, I would give it to Roger Corsa. Would you? Yes. Who do you think then could win? I think it's possible that Craig McLaughlin might win for oh, okay. the Dr. Blake Mysteries. I think the appeal of that show is way bigger than we've given it credit for. It was the number one show on a Friday. It had a million viewers on a Friday night there at one stage. Yeah. And if older voters of uh, TV Week are voting for this award, uh, Craig may get the nod there. Okay, same question about Best Actress. Best Actress. Well, Asha Ketty's in there again for Offspring. She's been winning it for years and years now. We've also got Marta Dusseldorp, who does a place to call home Jack Irish, Janet King, uh, Deborah Malman for Clever Man, Jack Irish, Offspring and Wolf Creek, Jessica Marai. Look, Jessica Marai could win this category. She may not win the gold logie, but I would say she may have the jump on Asha Ketty for Best Actress because she's got two shows now. Yes, okay. Now, the one where you should be, uh, you should be giving this award, the uh, Best Drama. The Best Drama. What do you like there and what do you think would win? Okay. What do you think well, we've got 800 words, Doctor, Doctor, Home and Away, Molly, Offspring and Wentworth. Now, look, the, the standout shows there for me, uh, Wentworth was amazing, Molly was fantastic. But, again, I want to give it to Doctor, Doctor for proving that you could make a show about an anti-hero and make it a little bit diverse and put it on a commercial network and people would watch it. That's the best show of the year for me Gee, last whiz, year. You really love that series, yeah. don't you? You're, you're very strong on that. Yeah, yep, so and you know, but it's really hard. Wentworth is so technically and from an acting point of view, it is an almost flawless piece of television and I feel bad not giving it to them for season four because they had an outstanding season but gosh, you can't beat, you can't beat the, the, the thud that uh, Dr. Doctor made when it landed. I just thought it was out of the box last year and really well received. Yeah, and it's sort of, um, I, I don't know if you're... A, up for this one as me, but Molly, Molly just blew me away. I thought it was they did such a good job. It was fantastic. You know? um, it was just an incredible achievement. Yeah, and I'd like to see a bit more of that stuff. I know there's a, there's a bit of a stink now about it's all biopics. Yeah, yeah, only because of the Paul Hogan, I guess. Yeah, but um, I don't know if we'll see people starting to back away. It only takes one sort of. Uh, you know, middling performance, doesn't it, for people to back away from a a, a format or a genre. Yeah. Listen, Um, you get the casting right and it works. Samuel Johnson was completely believable as Molly Meldrum. Josh Lawson, not so believable as Paul Hogan. That comes down to casting. Exactly. Is it fair, do you think, having um, Molly in amongst full series when it was really just a special, you know, a a two-parter? 
Well, well this you is, can't get around. No, it, I don't think you can get around it. When you go into the most outstanding categories, they split it up and they do drama or most outstanding miniseries or telly movie. And look, Molly gets a look in there as most outstanding miniseries. So right. yeah, it's it's okay. getting both ones. Is there anybody in those um, most outstanding categories? That's been overlooked, do you think, in the best? Yes. There's a... It's very sad not to see Pamela Rabe from Wentworth getting a Most Outstanding Actress thing. Danielle Cormack gets it for B. Smith, and, of course, we know it was B. Smith's last year. She got killed off in the last episode, so this is her last chance to be nominated. I get why she's there, but, gee, it's a shame that she got it and Pamela Rabe didn't because Pamela Rabe's work is quite magnificent and... You know, most outstanding actress, Yale Stone for Deep Water. I don't think that she that performance uh, actually should be making the grade there. I would have put Pamela Rabe in there instead of Yale Stone because all the others, Anna Tor for Secret City, Elizabeth Debicki for The Kettering Incident, Jessica Marai for Love Child, Marta Dusseldorp for Janet King. Janet King was outstanding last year. I think they're all deserving except for Yale Stone from Deep Water who I didn't think was terribly good. It was good to see uh, Barracuda get a few nominations. It sure um, did, didn't it? Yeah, because it, it really didn't rate very well for the ABC, but gee whiz, I liked it, and, that, and it's good to see that being getting some sort of acknowledgement. And do you know that the hardest category in this entire award, if you ask me to pick a winner there, yep. it's you got Most Outstanding Supporting Actor, Ben Oxenbold for Deep Water. Now, he was fantastic in that. Damon Herriman playing a transsexual in Secret City, astounding. Rick Donald, who plays Woody in 800 Words, who is so funny and likeable. Ryan Johnson in Dr. Doctor, you know, who was the brother of the Roger Corsa character and it was a difficult role, but he was fantastic in it. And then you get Matt Nabel in Barracuda, who was so brilliant as that coach. Gosh, that's hard. It's just so hard. I reckon I would give it to Matt Nabel. As I said, from the moment I saw it, that was one of the best performances of the year. But those other blokes in that category with him are all outstanding. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm with you on Matt Nabel. I think he he did very, very well. Um, So the Logies is not long to go, actually. I think it's um, the end of April. They'll be giving um, giving out the awards. Well, it's the end of the Easter non-ratings period, isn't it? Once we sort of break for Easter, yeah, and we then come we're back, back with I think the, Logies, the first or second Sunday of the survey yeah. start after Easter. Yeah. They um, the awards get given out. Um, some of the other interesting things. Um, Rake, I mean, things like Rake appears, I think, in the most outstanding, but it was overlooked in the best uh, category for dramas. Yep. Um, what else? The code. They're quite different, actually. Those the dramas for uh, outstanding at best, aren't they? You uh, will see a lot of Aussie dramas that are in the most outstanding category that don't make the grade in best. In also fact, known Wentworth's as most the only show that appears in both wow, categories, which is go. interesting, isn't it? So, there you go. Place to Call Home, Cleverman, Rake, and The Code. None of them appeared in the uh, the best category for yep. that. Um, yes. Yep. Certainly, when it came to the outstanding drama categories, it was all about Foxtel and the ABC, wasn't it? They yep. took the lion's yep. share by a huge margin. The ABC and then Foxtel. Yes, yeah. Okay. The Because um, we've, we've talked a little bit about on this uh, podcast about the amount of drama that's going to be commissioned 
you know, because networks have a big focus on largely, well, they're all virtually reality formats, aren't they, at 7.30, right through the year for yeah. 7, 9 and 10. Yep. They're not really going to program anything else there. We've, you know, we used to have some US sitcoms, I think they've been, you know, I think um, Big Bang Theory will make a little bit of a return for seven, uh, for 9 next week, yep. just before Easter. Yep. But I think that's just sort of filling a slot until it's next bigger, probably The Voice uh, comes back on after Easter. Um, but the some of the dramas seem to be uh, digging out good audiences for their nine o'clock time slots. Yeah, we've seen um, house husbands do up around seven hundred thousand. Doing okay, yeah, eight hundred words. Certainly not the big audiences it used to have, but that's you know doing close to seven hundred thousand. And I think if uh, if those shows can perform at that level, I think they're guaranteed a future. They're, I think they're good enough audiences probably to hold that nine. And plus, the slot. dramas get a good catch up. Yes. Uh, audience, don't they? More so than the reality. People need to watch the reality show live. So they go to, then they go to bed, then they tape under 800 words and they watch it over the next seven days. Yeah. We see that there's a huge catch-up. Yeah, I know the networks trumpet that stuff, but I think for the advertisers it's not really a factor That's yet right, because yeah. it's advertiser can't ring up and say, all right, I want 800 words put an ad in wherever it appears. That's, yeah. I think networks are working towards that, but it's not easily done yet to program the same ad yeah. for the catch-up, whatever, and on all the, the different platforms you're able to watch it on. Speaking of the quantity of TV shows, I was sort of a bit astonished by this stat I came across the other day because there was a lot of chat about there where there was over, I think, 400 scripted shows... Last year. Last year yep. in... Um, 2016 screened in the US. This year, they reckon it'll be over 500. <laughs> that's that's just scripted programs. Who's going to find the time, that's James? That's amazing. I know. And it's, a, it's really daunting when you think about. Gee whiz, how can you? How can we watch and talk about all these yeah. shows? How can audiences find them? You know, for starters, the big growth is being fueled, of course, by the streaming platforms, yes. uh, Netflix in particular, which just has a massive commitment to original material. Now, I think last year they had something like 43 wow. original shows in production, and they expect to bust that number this year. Because they've got something dropping usually every Friday, don't they? Yeah, and and I mean, every now and then it's something that's been made for the BBC in Britain, and they buy worldwide mm -hmm. rights, and mm -hmm. so every now and then you see a show that's but a lot a lot of it is their own original sure. made drama. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, I mean, 43 originals. I mean, you could nearly fill your time just watching Netflix, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah. Worrying about the other streaming services <laughs> and say goodbye. <laughs> you can certainly cut the cord on your uh, your cable TV and you're free to air, you know. Just, well, you uh, know, I'm moving, to a, I'm moving to a small country town now and I've, you know, for the first, I've gone, well, what do I do now? And for the first time ever... I'm not going to connect to Foxtel. Right, okay. I'm going to get Fetch TV yep. and I'm going to get a whole bunch of Foxtel channels. I need UK TV and BBC first. Which I'm not Fetch going, provides, right? Yeah, I'm going to get that on Fetch. I need Showcase, but I'll do that via Foxtel Play. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like... The, the, the world's a different place now. I've got options. Because yeah, uh, those Fetch uh, offers now are pretty... Enticing, aren't they? I think those they call them skinny bundles for six dollars. I think for a for a whole suite of channels, you know, which is um, not a bad little. I'll let deal. you know how it goes. I mean, it's going to come with a set top box, so I can yep. pause and pause live TV, which I like to do with the Foxtel IQ. But yep. yeah, I've I've suddenly realised for the first time in my life, 
in a new place, I don't need to. The first thing I always did was, I need Foxtel. Mm. Now I'm like, actually, I don't. I've got, I could just go online here and uh, watch it through Foxtel Play. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, something Foxtel executives are coming to grips with, I guess, as they, they probably hear that, that a little bit. And just on that um, 500 scripted shows, let's just, the, of the, was it the Hollywood Reporter, after this story broke, did a little. Um, chart of how that uh, number has grown over the years. So back in just as recently as 2009, there was 200 scripted uh, (laughs) programs a year. So that's more than doubled in in seven years. And yet, you know, James, a lot of those 200 scripted shows back then would have been doing 22 episodes a year on broadcast TV. What we're seeing now is more shows, but we're also seeing shorter runs. You know, we see Big Little Lies, for example, is only seven one-hour episodes. Sure. You know, yeah. so that, you know, the, the maybe they're, maybe it's not as bad as, maybe 500 shows is actually pretty similar to the old days when everyone used to do 22 episodes. Sure. Well, just back in 2009, there was zero online programs, so zero um, original scripted series from, yeah. you know, Netflix or... Oh, there's probably and back in around. 2009, someone would have laughed then if you'd said, I think oh, we're going to make this online show. Absolutely. We would have laughed at them. And of those 200, about 120 were from broadcast TV. Yep. Uh, the rest were from uh, basic cable or pay cable. Yep. Fast forward to last year, then of the f- there's about 450 last year, 93 of those were from uh, Netflix and the like, uh, Amazon. Yep. Um, 181 were from, uh, what's that? Basic cable, yes, and 145 were from broadcast. So, <laughs> basic cable overtook broadcast back wow. in. Wow, when did that happen? In um, 2012, and the disparity's been growing since then. And look at what's happening now with CBS, who's one of the big three free-to-air broadcast networks in America. They're now doing their own streaming service called CBS All Access or something like that. And they're doing an original Good Wife spin-off. And they're also doing the new Star Trek series exclusively for that streaming service. So now you've got a broadcast network television service that's going to encourage you to watch their shows on this website that you're going to have to pay money for and the reason you'd pay money to sign up for that show and not just do it on their free catch-up site is you're going to get a new series of Star Trek and you're going to get the spin-off to The Good Wife starring Christine Baranski. That's clever. Mm. And that's them saying, knowing that the future's coming and going, okay, well, let's put a foot in that market and keep both things going at the same time. Yeah, it was like free-to-air basically putting up a paywall. Yeah. Some of the content. Yeah. And we'll see how that, you know, presumably that'll grow in the future. But people will pay for a show if they want it enough. Yeah. Those Star Trek fans are going to pay that subscription to watch that new Star Trek series. There's a guarantee. Yeah. Well, I always use the example, and I'm sure you've told you this story a lot of times, House of Cards. Yeah. What that did for Netflix. Absolutely. You know, I had kept my Netflix... Netflix subscription, that was all I was watching for a few years, yeah. was House of Cards one every show. year. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, even still, that's one... I watch a few other things, but that's still one of the reasons, you know. I don't watch a lot of Netflix, you know. I mean, I don't have the time. But yeah. I will keep a subscription. I'm sure you probably would too. Yes. There's that one key property you want to get, and we've that's talked right. about how hard it is to stop a, a monthly subscription for under $10. You go, oh, look, I'll just... I'll, just, <laughs> yeah. I'll live with it, and you know, because you could cancel your Netflix, I guess, and then restart started again when House of Cards is back, but it's just easier to let it run. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I wanted to mention the multi-screen report. Uh, they do this four times a year. It's put out in conjunction, I think, with um, Oztam and Nielsen. Of course, Oztam's the owned by the free-to-air TV broadcasters. They contract Nielsen to supply uh, ratings data, yep. which then they um, they then sell to advertisers and stuff like that. Give a few little dribbles out free to the media. Mm-hmm. But this, uh, they do this quarterly report, which is quite fascinating as it shows you the trends in TV viewing. Look, I've always taken this at face value without thinking it's too much of a commercial sell for the networks, but somebody told me last week, said, oh, look, come on, this is just a, a puff piece for to try and get people to continue to advertise on commercial TV, and I, and I think that's a little bit harsh, right. although it does strike me a little bit as I read in depth this one, I'm, you know, trying to be a little bit more objective about it as I read the stats. Look, the the headlines are, of course, that TV remains the first choice yes. f- for viewing. I mean, 86% of people are watching TV. And that's actually a huge figure yeah. when you think about oh, it. Absolutely. Because, you know, I'm constantly being struck now by the amount of people that aren't watching traditional television anymore. And yeah. there's a whole generation of kids yes. that simply aren't connecting with it at all. So when you see a figure like 86%, you think, well, that's encouraging still. Yeah. 86 is still a good figure. Yeah, look, absolutely. The number of, that is interesting, I mean, there's, and a lot of, most of it is still live TV. There's something like across the population, 90% of people, I think, are watching just under 73 hours of live TV yep. each month. Yep. Okay. So, so that's quite a lot of TV, but yeah. those numbers are decreasing, and it's interesting how they're falling in the different demos. The, they break this up in, I'm not sure the actual ages, how they measure kids and teens, but kids viewing is down 14% right. of live TV in the last 12 months. Yep. Teens is down 10%. Which you thought it might have been a little bit higher of teens, it would have been wouldn't higher, you? Yeah. But yeah, eighteen to twenty-four down fifteen percent, and also twenty-five, thirty-four down fifteen percent. So they're the biggest drops, if you like that. Eighteen through thirty-four, pretty crucial uh, demos for advertisers. Twenty, uh, thirty-five to forty-nine is down nine percent. With hardly any movement, fifty plus, it's just off two percent. That's why it's actually more important than ever to have a show like Gogglebox that still shows mum and dad and the kids sitting down to watch TV yep. and the interaction that goes on between them. You know, And I note that uh, Foxtel, Lifestyle Channel, is bringing the UK original show based on... Because Gogglebox as a show is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually the highlight of my week now. I look forward to how it. Good, so, how good it's it so been? good. Last week's was brilliant. Oh, it's <laughs> so funny and so entertaining. And wait till you see the British version, James. It's mm. just the same. Wow. It's so entertaining. But, you know, as, as a, a business model to watch it and go, there you go, kids still do watch TV. It makes me go, great, there is still a future. Yeah. For the traditional So you're method. suggesting maybe all the networks should fund Gogglebox? They should. It's the greatest ad yet that you can <laughs> – kids sit down and watch it with your parents and have a laugh. 
Now, we get two seasons of 10 episodes a year. I think, is that about right? I yeah. mean, if you had it on all the time, would that just milk the format too much? Well, I don't know. What do you I'd think is an argument for just running it? I'd be happy to watch that show every week. Yeah. Particularly because I've been super busy over the last few weeks and I've been watching less So it's TV a good catch-up as well, do. right? Oh, it's is a it? catch-up service so like nothing multi-purpose. else. multi-purpose. James, I would never have watched Demolition Man on Foxtel. Yep. I wouldn't have watched that show in a million years, but I got that, <laughs> you know, 10-minute recap of it on Gogglebox and went, actually, I'm with those guys. I think I could watch that show now. It's a brilliant advertisement for discovering new TV shows. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Now, forgive me if I um, stumble through some of these stats because it just came out this morning, this report, and I haven't had a lot of time to digest it all, but Australians now have an average of 6.4 screens each. Wow. Which what? is Per person? Yeah. But the, what they say about this is, is that that's because when people upgrade their screens, they keep the old one. Right. Okay. So if you buy an – and this is true with me, if I get a new iPad, my old one's still sitting in the drawer. Yeah. If I get a new phone, my old I've got a heap of old iPhones now. Because you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to put this on eBay or Gumtree, that never happens. Yeah. It goes in the drawer. So I think that's Cash why... Cash converters, James. Is it? Through, you walk in, yeah, but do you get... put on a disguise and walk <laughs> out again. You're not desperate for well, money. I'm, I'm not worried about going into <laughs> cash converters, but I just assume I'm not going to get... I'm going to get virtually nothing if yeah. I take it to cash yeah. converters. Well, particularly with the older models too, you know, it's, 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 you look, if, you look at them, if you look stuff up on eBay, some of them are only worth 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, when they've been replaced by new models. Yeah. I was interested in some of those catch-up stats. They seem to be pretty stagnant. Like the seven-day catch-up figure isn't really growing. Yeah. Which was sort of interesting. And the, I think the, the one week to four weeks, they measure that seven to 28 days viewing. That's very... Um, very small. There's not a lot of people watching catch up, yeah. which is what um, Doug uh, Pfeiffer, the Austin chief executive, always said. Look, those numbers aren't are really quite, you know, not critical, and that's proven. Tr- what when now they've released all that data, they're not that uh, critical to the um, to the stats. The it's hard to work out from this how much time people are spending watching the streaming services because right. it only goes into a category which is other TV screen use because you can imagine the free-to-air networks aren't going to try and pump up no. what's happening there. So they, And that includes things like video games and all that sort of stuff. So it's not broken down at all. Those numbers are going up, but not a lot. I think it's... Um, gone from 28 hours to 30 hours a month, other TV screen use. Because, you know, James, when do you ever see an ad on television that says to you, by the way, don't forget you can go... You never. They never talk about their own catch-up services, do they? No. They're no. there. Yeah. And, you, you know, I guess you and I who work in the industry know that if we miss something now, I'll go to the catch-up service and it'll be there. Mm. But you rarely hear them say it. I, I see it a lot on ABC. Mm. They talk about it. Well, they want you to you. watch live, don't they? They want you to watch live. That's how they're monetizing their business yeah. by those those live viewers. But, but if, the, if the figures aren't growing, maybe it's because they're not promoting their catch-up sites. Yeah, but I think this doesn't include the catch-up, though. This is TV 
because they can measure those catch-up sites. I think that's included. Right. I think this is separate to other screen, uh, other TV, if I like. But why that number's not going up, I think some of the other numbers in that category are probably going down. Right. Maybe video gaming isn't as taking much time, so therefore the Netflix and Stan could be going up, but it's yep. not being recorded yep. that accurately because some of those other items in that category are dropping. But I just wonder, though, if... If Oztam, Oztam told us that they said, look, we, we need broadcaster cooperation to be able to accurately measure what's happening at Netflix yeah, and Stan. Yeah. And, you know, the, Netflix and Stan have no reason. They don't want people to know how their business is going because they're not selling ads. No. So they just want to keep it all secret. <laughs> and, um, and at the same time, yeah, Oztam doesn't want to publicise what they're doing. So that's never going to happen. But I'm just wondering... If there's secret data that Ostham has, they can give the free-to-airs, which no one will ever see about how many people are watching yeah. Netflix and Stan. That would be interesting, yes. Um, what else do we want to talk about now? I just will say this too about yes. advertisers on those catch-up services. Yes. And, you know, every now and then I do a bit of a sneaky watch of an overseas okay. free-to-air network catch-up site. Yep. And I tell you what, it doesn't matter where... I'm watching. You're watching the show and then it goes to the ad break and so many times those ads buffer. Really? And if I was an advertiser, it's like they send out the ads on a different bandwidth <laughs> and it always freezes, slows down. Uh, 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 you know. So no one's got it right yet? No. Nah, I'll tell you what, some of those advertisers, they're not getting bang for buck on those streaming sites because the, the, the ads keep freezing and that becomes really annoying and that makes you tune out even more. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so what else is happening? A uh, few programming changes we want to mention. The um, a couple of new shows coming to the ABC, but you're suggesting people don't get too involved in don't either get too attached. The Coroner or The Halcyon. Yeah, because both those shows have recently been axed in the UK. The Coroner is made for BBC Daytime. We screen it in primetime down here. And The Halcyon was ITV's big budget hopeful replacement for Downton Abbey, set in the 1940s five-star hotel in London with the bombs dropping. Um, ITV were very quick to announce when it wound up that they would not be making another series. And we talked about how sure. quick they were to make that announcement. So, yeah, look, those shows will do well on the ABC, don't get me wrong, on a Saturday night, I don't reckon it matters what you put on there as long as it's original British drama for ABC viewers who maybe don't have BBC First or something like that. They'll watch it. The audience will be there. Those shows will rate. But, yeah, the Halcyon in particular ends with a cliffhanger that is never going to be resolved. Okay. Another sh show we've got a time slot for, I think, is uh, uh, SSGB yeah. coming to BBC First in yes. May. Yes. And this is sort of a show that's not to be confused with The Man in the High Castle, which is the show about if America had lost World War II and the Japanese had the West Coast and the Nazis had the East Coast and hung swastikas in <laughs> Times Square. This is the, a similar scenario. So it's that, exactly the same, but a different country. Yeah, in London. Okay. And you've got swastikas hanging on Buckingham Palace. And then you've got all the kind of uh, the people, you know, scurrying around in the backdrop trying to... Uh, take back the country, you know, the British spies. Good be concept. It'd be interesting to see if they do it as well as uh, Amazon did with The Man in the High Castle yeah, because yeah. some of those scenes, those outdoor scenes of, of uh, 
I think it was San Francisco, the where which was occupied by the Japanese. They just did such a good job yeah. of um, you know the Japanese, the Rising Sun flags, as if Japan had really taken over. And it was a period piece too. Yes. So there yes. were two challenges. Similarly, in New York, with the sort of Nazi. Um, emblems and stuff yes. like that yeah. in sort of public places. They yeah. did a very good job. I'm sure there was lots of trickery involved, but it, it looked really good to, to my eyes. See what happens there. The show, I don't think has performed that fantastically in in uh, the UK. No. It's been on there for a little while. So again, this could be the one and only uh, season of that one. Don't get too attached. But yep. it, I, love, I love the idea of it. And I really enjoy Man in the High Castle. I'm, I'm a bit behind because it's one of those things I just don't have the time to keep up. I shockingly have not seen The Man in the High Castle and I really want to watch it. You know, it's yeah, my time no, to show. I want well to see that, yep. that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, coming to an end, there's a few things coming to an end before... Um, Easter, I think we've seen uh, 800 Words has already finished. It's, yeah. I think it's going to be in two short seasons. Now I can't remember what the Well, they the deal seem, is, tend to do a film a season and then break it into two bits yeah, now. Yeah, on we've seven. seen that first bit, I think, so yeah. I'm not sure when they'll bring that back. Um, Married at First Sight yeah. is finally wrapping, but they managed to dragging it into the final week of survey before Easter with the season finale on the Sunday night, and then there's a reunion episode. Oh, it's a reunion yep. on Monday. Apparently on the Monday. Wow, okay, that's smart. So that would be good. I mean, you already get the feeling we're almost seeing some <laughs> they're dragging it out that long. Some of the episodes are almost feeling like reunions go, well, didn't they already decide not to be together? Now they're changing their mind, or didn't they decide to split, you know, or to stay together? Now they're splitting. It's Is there they've only done a good job. One couple now still together. I saw that TV Week suggested that everything's hanging on to the back of uh, the Lebanese girl, Aileen, is it? And okay. Simon, the country guy, that they're the last two standing. That please, could we get some true love there? Well, hopefully they're going to have a surprise for the reunion episode. Yes, Surely. maybe someone reunites. They've got... Yes. Huh? That would make it ideal, yeah. wouldn't it? Because it's a bit of a fizzer otherwise if they're sure all just is. split sitting there coolly looking at each other, yeah. talking about why it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So that would really make it if there was a, um, a surprise reunion at the end. But uh, we've talked about it before too. My Kitchen Rules has been reasserting itself in the numbers. Yeah, you they know, have. Any, um, any accusations that the show was dead. There was a few pieces written about what the producers need to do to get back on track. Well, hey, it's back on track big time. Yeah. It's doing very well. There's still, as we record this, I think there's eight, maybe still nine couples left. So we're going to see a lot of this play out after Easter. And so we we're know not that in Easter, sometimes they don't air an episode or they might just air so one they, episode. I think they'll air a couple in one of the so non-ratings weeks. I'm not sure. Keep it going and then bring it all back and ratings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're not, not done with that one yet. Um, House Husbands. Now, you've been waiting for Delta Good, Goodrum to finally appear, and that time seems near. I think she's actually on the cover of uh, TV Week at the moment. A secret kiss. She's Will bad girl Izzy here. steal oh. Nick's heart? And, it's going to, and then they're going to do a double episode uh, on Monday night of House Husbands. That seems weird that you'd... Be waiting so long to get Delta, but then you double episode yeah, her, like look, I, you're almost I, burning it off. I get the Big Bang. 
programmers get from a double episode that night, but it's just punishing a your audience. A double episode of an hour drama that begins at 9 o'clock, you're finishing up at 11 o'clock on a Monday no. night, so, that's late. Look, a lot of people will record it and go to bed yes. after the first one, but then how many people just don't get around to watching before the next episode gets yeah. shown? And then once you start getting behind, you start to panic, you go, oh, yep. what am I going to do? You might miss recording it. You don't want to watch the catch-up because it's a nightmare. Yeah. And you can you can easily lose the plot, can't you? I've Very. done that with a few series where you yeah. think, oh, you know, you try and catch up, you've got them all, and you have to make those hard decisions when your IQ box or your hard drive is full. What am I going to delete? You go, okay, yeah. time to say goodbye to this series. Well, you've got shows on the IQ that you've never watched, have you? And at a certain point you get real and go, I'm never <laughs> going to watch that. Delete, delete, delete. I've got a few. There's one I'm, I'm hanging on to a couple there thinking I'm going to watch them, but I know come push come to shove i'm going to end up deleting all yeah. these <laughs> these are uh, things i've especially been curating uh the checkout is returning which i'm very happy about yeah i love that that's show a, that's a great and i love the thursday time slot yes because thursday can seem like a wasteland yep. on free to wear tv am i wrong no it's true yep. it does everything sort of falls off a cliff on a thursday yep um and i love it that it's always been on thursday at eight o'clock they don't muck around with its time slot and it's such a funny show, and you learn so much from it. Yep, no, I, I love it. It's, it's a brilliant show. There's one little slight criticism. They do do a lot of best ofs, yeah. which makes you think, well, if I miss a show, I can see it on the best of. So yeah. I think you've really got to you know, focus on the new stuff and just make sure those audiences keep going out. But I understand why they do that because yes. they – spend a lot of time in each of those stories so it's a, it'd be a massive and they task. seem to cut it down for interstitials don't they yeah, sometimes they do they're too, doing yep. a little five minute version yep. before the 7pm news yep. and it's yep. repeated every week on yep. ABC2 and so there's other there's lots of opportunities to view it all um Mate, what is happening on Neighbours? You're our Neighbours co- <laughs> correspondent. Been yeah. a bit of chat that it could be dropped in the UK. That's right. Which I think is probably a negotiation tactic, yeah, I do too. if anything. But interestingly, the one thing I haven't heard, and maybe they've said this, but I haven't seen it reported from a 10 executive, is that we would keep running yeah, it. No, they haven't if, said that, James. If, if it would be cancelled in the Uk Yeah, complete that, silence from Piermont there. Yeah, that ain't going to happen, is no. it? No. There is no way, I don't think. No way. They're not going to keep making a show with 200,000 viewers on 11. (laughs) Because it's an expensive show to make and it looks, you know, they spend the money well on that show now. That looks like uh, it's a well-made production. And last week they aired their London episodes where Toadie finally found out that Dee was not Dee. Just after he slept with her, though, mind James, got his end in and then found her passport and discovered that she wasn't who she said she was going to be. So that looks like Madeline West is out of the show now. Oh. Um, but, look, I, I would suggest that they would probably be thinking about a way to bring her back because they did see a spike in ratings with her return. It did work. It provided lots of chatter. Right. The Brits were talking about it online. The fans here absolutely loved it. And what I think it's going to do for the future for Neighbours is that a whole bunch of actors from the past who have maybe been on the fence about returning to the show, I think the producers will be able to say to them, look how well we did with Madeline West and how successful it was and we might see some more faces from the past coming back. Back there, it certainly works ratings wise. Yeah, so an Indian family, 
Yeah. Uh, in Ramsey Street. Toadie's uh, brother is coming back to Ramsey Street. He's previously been on the show. He's bringing back his new Indian-Australian wife and her Indian-Australian children. Now, okay. we have had an Indian family on the show a few years back, and they weren't just there for five minutes. They were in the show for a couple of years. Um, and there's something being made of Neighbours becoming more diverse. But the truth is that Neighbours has been correcting their lack of diversity for the last couple of years now. And if you now watch that show, you will not only see it being more diverse in sexuality and in characters with disability, but you do see at that school now that that is a uh, multicultural school and that we are seeing some ethnicity in Neighbours. We've got a couple of guys now in it who are twins, who have some Japanese heritage in them. They're trying to track down their real father, blah, blah, blah. Neighbours can no longer be accused of being too white Ramsey Street. You can accuse that of home and away. So no no um, ethnicity diversification in um, Summer Nothing Bay? Nothing in, in Summer Bay. Nothing. Yeah. All white, all straight, <laughs> everyone fully limbed bodies. Yeah. And then you look at neighbours and they've got this little short man who's a businessman and uh, they're, re they're really... Neighbours is really still doing a great job and home and away needs to update yeah and just on home and away too i guess the similar thing if if home and away was dropped in the uk yeah uh, maybe there's a case for keeping it here but i think there'd be significant challenges for seven to make the finances work would it do you think it gets about seven hundred thousand, yep. eight hundred. Yep. Sometimes it gets up there and it beats a current affair, doesn't it? Yeah, not but often these days. A current affair mostly yep. beats them, and yep. we all know that in that psychological battle between seven and nine, they do not want to be winning a time slot, and and that's why we continually talk about the fact: will they ever put something else there at seven o'clock? Yeah. But the question is, what do they put there? Hmm. You know. Yeah. Okay. Our friend uh, David Knox at TV Tonight's been uh, – he loves talking about the Hall of Fame every yeah. year. I think it's his, probably his favourite category. It yeah. is. He's campaigned at for the, it relentlessly. At the Logies. And he's been throwing up a few names this year. Now, we usually find out before, don't we? Yeah, they, they announce reveal it before, beforehand. So we're probably not far away from knowing. Now, let me run some of these names by you, see what you think. Denise Drysdale, Kerry-Ann Kennelly, Caroline Jones, Yana Vent. The cast of Prisoner, Reg Watson, who was connected with well, Reg Neighbours. Watson created Prisoner a and prisoner. created Neighbours. And Neighbours, right? Okay. You know, yep. none of those shows would have happened if it had not been for him. Yep. Uh, John Edwards, John Holmes, who was Seven's uh, head of drama for a long time, yep. very close to a Home and Away and all their long-running uh, Aussie dramas. Uh, Working Dog as a yeah. collective, I guess. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. So any of those that. Jump out at you think? Look, the ones that jump out at me in terms of... Uh, they're all worthy, I guess. They're all worthy. Every single one of them's worthy. And Daryl Summers in there, too. Oh, that's and right. I yeah, Daryl Summers. I would in. say, please, Daryl Summers. That's the one Summers you think is, he's had He's enough. got a whole room of Logies, doesn't he? He goes in there and bathes in the light, I'm sure. But um, I would be saying it's time to put Denise Drysdale and or Kerri-Ann Kenley into the Hall of Fame because it's not just that those women have been around for a long time but mm. look, let's be truthful here those women have been doing live television for most of their career yes. and doing hours and hours of live television and that takes a real skill and a real enthusiasm and so I think that David Knox is spot on on TV tonight 
Ding Dong, Denise Drysdale and Kat Kerryanne Kenley. Both of those are the most worthy candidates, I think, for Hall of Fame, particularly to address the fact that there's only a couple of women in there already. Sure. Uh, including Noni Hazelhurst last year and Ruth Cracknell many years ago back in the 80s. It's time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, ding dong or cack. Is there me. an argument? Uh, let's just fast track it a little bit. Let's do two some years. Why not? Because you know, there's so many people who aren't, you know. Why not? Huh? I mean, it's no. It's not as if there's a there's a rule or a law that you can do what you like, can't you? And let's not wait till they die and, and then give it to them posthumously like they've done in the past. Give it to them while they're alive and give them that moment to stand up and give that speech. Mm. And this is one area where I think there could almost be a bit of a quota. Make sure, do two of you, make sure one of them's a woman Correct. every year. Absolutely. Know? If not both of them. But Absolutely. Let's play catch yep. up a little yep. bit there, yeah? Yep. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, The Walking Dead... They're up to season seven. It is still pulling massive audiences. That's, is that going to run forever? Well, astoundingly, the producer came out the other day and said that he wants to run it for 20 oh. seasons and that most of the cast are up for that. Jeez. So that would be astounding if they mm. keep it going that long. Um, but apparently the comic book, goes on and on and on. They've got a lot yeah. of material to work with. The fans are still watching it. It's, it's real event television. People hang out for it, can't wait for it to start again. Maybe he could get to 20 seasons, but that it really seems like a, a long trek, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. How yeah. do they outgore themselves in season 20? They'll have ripped every zombie's head apart in every manner of speaking by then. I mean, that's where, I mean, not... Um I'm not talking about Walking Dead when I say this, but I wouldn't mind a bit more serious Aussie drama. Yeah. Where you don't have to have the kooky, the sort of, you know, the lowest common denominator appeal. Am I, am I wrong in saying that's not a genre over-serviced here? We always seem to be, you know, there's plenty of stuff like Offspring, 800 words. Why isn't there room for a few more of those, like the Barracudas and the stuff like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. And cultivate that audience. Yeah. So if there's not much of it on, I think you, you can't really go and complain, or oh, no one's watching. Well, but yeah. they, it's not as if there's a lot for those people, because some of those people probably don't watch much TV yeah. who like that higher end drama. At least maybe not free to air TV, I don't know. Maybe they're. You know. And I think we've seen sometimes there's too much of a gap between these shows. So a show like Glitch mm. that only had yep. six episodes on the ABC, and mm. it's a little bit kooky and people yep. rising from yep. the dead. It, it plays that market. And then they finish six episodes and you're left wanting more. Well, it's going to be takes two years more forever one, for them right? to get yeah. approval to make the second series. Um, but, yeah, it's sometimes there's too long a gap between the series in Australia. Yeah. And just we mentioned Molly before. Of course, uh, Molly's back on Count. Uh, back on Foxtel. Yeah. I think on the Max Music Channel. Yeah. Over Easter, they're going to be screening, I think it's the top 1,000. Wow. Songs. I hope he doesn't have to do 1,000 introductions for them. <laughs> God, they would have spent a week trying to film that. Yeah, no, I don't think he'd be doing every no, one of them. But no. it would be interesting to get his insights because he was there he for was. a lot of that stuff. I mean, you know, he was there when the Beatles were around in the yep. 60s, you know. Yep. I think he was working at um, 
the uh, the label for a little while for the I'm Beatles company. I'm reading his second autobiography now oh, okay. that I got for Christmas. Yes. And what it does is the first one, which I didn't read, must have been very much about Countdown because okay. this book is not so much about Countdown, but it is all about that stuff he did with Russell Morris yep. and Produced all that the real stuff. Thing, of course. Yeah, before Countdown, and it's quite fascinating because I've learned quite a bit and gone, my God, you actually really were at the coalface. Oh, I was making the columns, music, I mean, discovering I, music. I grew up. I mean, I wasn't there. I was there for a bit of it. But he had the most amazing weekly music column and he'd file it from around the world. Yeah. And it was such detail about yeah. what was really going on. You yeah, know? It yeah. was just uh, an amazing resource and it's good to see him. And good it's good to see him back at Max because he was there at yeah. the, when he was signed up to Red and Channel V in the very early days. And then he moved across to Max and he did a little bit for Fox 8 and then, you know... Uh, Seven swooped in and said, no, we want him for Sunrise. And so, you go, you know, he's done... I mean, he's worked at every channel, hasn't he, Molly? <laughs> Except for SBS, maybe. I don't think he's... Has he ever had a gig I'm on sure, SBS? I'm sure, he's done so- <laughs> I'm sure he's done something for them. Look, we're uh, nearly out of time. We need an update. I think since we last spoke to you, you have had your first weekend or yes. first couple of weekends of trading yep. at the, the Roxy, the Southwest Roxy, isn't it? Yes, Southwest Roxy. Southwest Roxy. Yes, yeah, so we um, we opened for on... people who haven't heard this before, Andrew's bought a cinema yeah. up in um, New South Wales, mid-north coast, do we yeah, call it? It's out from Kempsey between Port Macquarie and Coffs Harbour. Okay, yeah, and it's just, just started... Opening his yeah. first two weekends. How did it go? Well, look, it, it went well. The crowds came back. It was shut for a month. And when we reopened, we reopened with Beauty and the Beast, yep. which is a huge title, biggest movie of the year. Um, so in they came for that. Lion hadn't screened in rocks before. They, oh my okay. God, the lineup for Lion. It was really? just amazing. Did that. Would that please you when you saw oh, it, people lining up it outside? It really pleased me and, and it made me understand why it's the fifth highest grossing Aussie movie of all time now. Right. The audience is loving it. The word of mouth for it is fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, and encouraging figures for Moonlight, this year's best Oscar winner, okay. which, which doesn't really set the world on fire in terms of box office. Sure. So I've been lucky because I've had a backlog of movies to choose from. But, I mean, it's it's been full on, James. <laughs> like, you know, I still haven't done any accounting. Mm. Um, we're operating uh, some computer systems. We're doing it, but we still haven't figured out how to read the reports or how to okay. do a stock take. We're just kind of doing it by sensory, you know, looking at it and going, well, I think we need another box of Kit Kats. That's running low. <laughs> um, we've mastered the popcorn. That's great. Okay. Um, I saw you having some challenges with Choc Tops. Oh, the Choc Tops. <laughs> Who knew that was so difficult? I'd watched the previous guy did it, and he just took the, put the really? ice cream in the cone and dipped it into the and you chocolate. you thought, how and easy is this? It kind of did a bit of wrist action and then put them in the freezer and then let, you let them sit in there for a few minutes till they go rock hard. Then you put them in the cellophane paper and oh, I see, yeah. do that. So there's this way to do it. But, of course, I don't know what we did wrong, but every time we dipped them in the the chocolate it kind of went really thin on top and you could see the ice cream down below i'm like that's no good double dip it double dip it and then the ice cream's running down the cone and you're getting a set tissue and trying to make it oh god it's a mess but look we've just kept doing it and doing it and doing it we're getting better at it okay but there's this thing i think because it's sitting in this pot the hot chocolate sauce and when you pull it out and you've got to kind of twirl it to make sure the drips are going to go around the side and not run down the code but 
I think one of the mistakes is you've then got to get it away from that heat source. You've got to take it away to the sink and there's an air conditioning unit that comes down there. So I go, okay, that's cold. That'll help set it. So it's all about finding those little tricks to do it. Um, but yeah, we ran out of chock tops on the first day and we were like, holy crap, make more, make more. So, and of course, school holidays are coming soon. We've got to have them. We've got to have hundreds on deck for that. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's full on, the learning, yes. and, you know, process, and then finding the house and moving in and, oh, my God, getting all that, switching on the internet and then haven't even – I've moved out of my place here in Sydney. I've switched nothing off there. <laughs> to, you know, tomorrow I'm going to have to start ringing Foxtel and TPG and mm. saying, turn it off, I'm gone. Got a re- it's, it's full, full on. I've never worked so hard in my life. Yeah. But it's exhilarating, James. I love doing it. And, you know, when I've got a little bit of downtime and I'm there and I can sneak upstairs to the projection room and, you know, there's like 100 movie posters and it's like, oh, oh. My God, I'm in Nirvana. And I pull them out and go, well, that's rubbish. I can throw that out, but I'm putting that one on the wall. Look at that. Mm. So, you know, I've really oh, – I've been very much too into decorating the hall to make it look like a cinema because it's not a full-time cinema. It operates as a community hall. So on a Sunday night you stack the chairs up and put them against the wall and – Today's Wednesday. I'm going to drive. I'm going to leave the office here today. I'm going to drive five and a half hours drive to Southwest Rocks. I'm going to go straight to the cinema. I'm going to take the seats down. I'm going to set them all up. And then tomorrow morning I'll go in and switch everything on and do a test and make sure it's... And then I'll have my doors open again at 9.30. And then that's all I do for the next four days. And then on Sunday night I go, thank God that's over. And now I can have a breather Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. By that stage all my stuff will arrive from the house. I'll have to unpack for three days. And then we go into Easter school holidays, which is going to be six days a week. I know it's going to be uh, torturous. But in a way it's probably good, isn't it, that you've got that Easter... From your funding side of things, it's going to... Yep hopefully uh, fill your till yes. uh, before you go through a bit of a stretch. Correct. And then it'll just be, there'll be a very steep learning curve. So we get, some, we, get, we get some money in the till to get us through the winter months. But more importantly, we're learning all these processes. Yep. And I've deliberately made things even more difficult by myself by not just doing a grid of, well, I'm going to do this for Easter. You just go six days, this movie at 9.30, the next one to 11.30. While I was doing the four-day thing, I'm moving everything around because it, it involved because those processes of, of inputting every session into the computer which then tells Facebook and then updates your flyer and all that it's important to do that a lot so it becomes second nature to you okay because those processes so a lot of it's be, automated is it so a that, lot of it that's is automated good. well that's good there's a company in Melbourne called Kinesis and you have this standardized shout website out there to Kinesis. Yep. well done chef. and literally when I put in a movie and the session time that automatically updates the website and then it automatically speaks to a flyer which I then print and distribute around all the caravan parks in town for the people who want to pick something up and read it but it also becomes the basis for my newspaper ad and so it's everything talks to each other which is great yeah a little question when I analyze the box office figures I get on a Monday afternoon Am I seeing data from the Southwest yes. Roxy as well? The last thing I do before I leave at night is I have to send through a cash figure to um, two companies, uh, Numero and Rentrack, Rentrack who trace yes. box office, okay. and I have to tell them, Beauty and the Beast, um, 120 admissions, and this is how much the price was. Because okay. I, I, wow. my prices are different to the city, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that's all they want. Number of admissions and the amount of money. 
And yes, if you don't do that, and I forgot to do it last Saturday night, you get to work the next day, you've got an email going, excuse me, where's that information? It's important data for it's the important. industry, isn't it? Yeah. You know? And it's good to see there's still a thriving cinema industry, which you're getting a taste of firsthand. Yeah, very much so. So good on you. Um, so it's Southwest Rocks. It's the Southwest Roxy is the cinema. Yes. Okay. Yeah. About five and a half hours north of Sydney. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay, and of course the town's going to triple in size for Easter school holidays. Yes. So, you know, the Easter will all be about Boss Baby, Lego Batman, Jasper Jones, Peppa okay. Pig, yep. and then keep an adult movie in there as well. We uh, Beauty and the Beast keeps Beauty and the Beast is going to well. go all through the holidays. Yes. That's Disney. You know when you've got a Disney for school holidays, that just sits there and turns over. Yep. I can't no wait question to get up there. there. But I think I'll probably leave it till just after Easter because getting accommodation would be uh, yeah. few and far between over Easter, but I might be able to pick up something just after that. Cool. Andrew, look, always great to uh, get Thanks, you in James. here. Thanks, for that. Um, we love your passion about television and we love hearing about your uh, new little venture. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you so much. <laughs>